0: Give me money—it's what I want. All right, now this special. Where were we before you so rudely interrupted me? Where were
1: we again on the swamp?
0: You undemonist, you! Um, It's time for the best worst segment. Now this thing has been inspired by a magazine called The Word Magazine. Which yeah. is an old magazine we talked 've talked about it before i think yep uh and uh it has it always had a special segment in, in every issue um a best and worst list all oh, right best and yep. worst movie shows singers what's it whatever and um it put me in mind it inspired this this idea I have for a list, and I guess in some ways it 's me getting things off my chest and it's but it's also meant to be a bit of a conversation starter. The idea is um for this list is um two film franchises, um, the best and worst of them. And the film franchises, they were obviously Star Wars and The Hobbit movies as directed by Peter Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so there's just lots to say about that, but let's just go through... What would be my selection for the best of Star Wars to begin with? Um, think of that Star Wars. This is the the six film and and beyond now um, series started by that that genius and madman George Lucas. Yes, yes. Featuring those amazing characters Han Solo and Luke Luke Skywalker, Leia, et cetera. You know who I'm talking about. Star Wars. Um, so if you're in a pub and you're talking about those sort of things, what what are the best things about Star Wars? Can you think of any really? What are, for you, the best things? Yeah, look, I mean,
1: so many things. And um, my my nephew, I remember as a six-, seven-year-old having um, Star Wars as a video um, that he would play quite regularly or we'd play for him quite regularly on TV, and he'd be enthralled by all the same characters that we all were from C-3PO and R2-D2 and so forth. Um, And obviously, you know, Chewie Bakker and so on. Um, But, um, uh, yeah, there was just something really Extraordinarily groundbreaking yeah. about that film when it came out as a cinema release, and yep. seeing it in that context for, um, I guess there was a sort of the cinema before Star Wars and kind of a cinema after Star Wars. Yeah, that's a good point. You yeah, know. that was all the upside to me. I think the, um, you know, the ensuing films all great stories, um, well done, but they never quite had that same punch, but I think that might reflect that I was no longer fifteen, things had moved on and um you know perhaps it it, it had lost some of that that spark yeah. for me. But um
0: Yeah. Well it's interesting that's a very individual take because um I think for a lot of people I guess who call themselves Star Wars fans it just got in some ways it got better. Yeah. With the next one and, and um
1: yeah, better stories and
0: Well, you know, I mean yeah. Um it I guess the history of Star Wars it has been variable. I mean the 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 second trilogy um that Lucas made um with Jar Jar Binks and all them um were criticized for being um much lesser than what what the original series wa- was um but you know, I'd say the average Star Wars fan is very, very thankful that there there is more stories to be told, and and that we're we're really loving these um, new sequels like um, the Force Awakens and and Rogue One and so forth. Yeah. Um. And that's I think from a, a just a, a science fiction fan point of view, like, like I have. And so I mean that sixteen year old who loves sci fi has never gone away, whereas yeah. there some people, they've grown up and... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember, interestingly enough, even back when, when the original Star Wars movie was made and all the publicity around it, I remember Mark Hamill, who plays Luke Skywalker, this really interesting interview he had where um, he talked about his experience with fans at the time, where fans would go up to him and say to him, I've seen the film 50 times already, you know,
1: yeah. and
0: hoping yeah. you know, that, that would, they would get some validation from him. And, and, he, and he would say things like, Fifty times you have no life. Yes. Um, You know. Yes. So even yeah. you know, which I thought was a really awful thing to say. You know, really callous. but true. Absolutely true. If you, yeah. you're at a point where you're so obsessed with a film that you're going to, it's watch almost it it maybe like times. that. Even
1: for the actors and and everybody involved with the film at the time, that maybe they were themselves quite surprised by its by its impact. Yeah, by, yeah. well, they all were. I
0: mean, yeah. certainly Lucas, George Lucas, yeah. had no expectation. Of, of yeah, it. but that's Star Wars. You know, it's like it's too big. It's too big to to contemplate, and so it's hard to. I mean, there's so many things that I could say about Star Wars that are good, but let's just briefly go over them. Um, yeah, like the first film, Star. We call it Star Wars, but it's really um a New Hope now, Episode Four. Um, one of the things I really like. That about the the new trilogy, the the last one, uh, Revenge of the Sith. The way it ends, I really loved the way it ended with um, Leia and and uh, Luke's mother, um, Padme, giving birth to them and then um, dying right. at the birth. And then we had this lovely sort of. Um, Epilogue where Obi Wan arranges for for the two young babies to um, be sent to various destinations away from the Emperor so that they are protected because obviously the Emperor wants them killed um, as being children um, of the Force or whatever. Um, Yes. Well Lee is sent to one planet and Luke is obviously sent to Tatooine and, and he's delivered to Owen and Beru Lars. Um he's, he's, who we see as his aunt and uncle, who we meet in the first Star Wars movie. I just and, and we, the final shot is that those lovely double moons in, on Tatooine. Yes. It's a really nice way to end end that story, I thought. I really enjoyed it. It made a nice link to the, which is, you know, that was episode three, three, so episode four being Star Wars: A New Hope. Yeah, brings us back full circle. I really like that. Yeah, I think that was uh, really nice and poetic. I mean, that's one. I mean, another one for me. I mean, despite all the complaints about the the second series of uh, films, um, they at least gave birth to the Clone Wars TV show, the animated yeah, show, which I yeah. think was brilliant. Yeah, that was yeah. another. Yeah, I've only th- seen. Uh,
1: yeah, I've, I've never sort of seen it in in, um, in any yeah. running order, but the few episodes I've, yeah. se- I've seen are really good. Yeah,
0: yeah the animation's fabulous. Yeah. The storylines great. It really develops a lot of the characters that we met. In those first two films, leading up to the Attack of the Clones and so forth, um, just just expands the world so well and and so humorously. Even um, even Jaja Binks is tolerable in these. <laughs> yes, like, yes, I really loved um, the, the, those funny droid characters constantly going Roger Roger. Mm. Um, I always had this thought that they should have had because the thing about those funny droid characters is whenever we see them, they invariably get get slaughtered by the by the 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 Jedi's by the Jedi's always slicing through them just like butter and then they're always going uh uh and off goes his head I always thought there should have been one little droid character who's maybe distinguished from the others by having a dent in its head or something. <laughs> and it, it's it always survives and you know it could have followed through with yes, this funny yes. little Denton or something. Yep. We
1: could have called it or something. Yeah a survival. I these always thought they battles. should have done that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And another thing I liked about the um the clone was I really liked the character, a new character called a Ahsoka Tano. It's this young girl who's like um um um, Anakin Skywalker's um, yeah Padawan yeah his his apprentice yes um, she's a really appealing little character um, that runs throughout the Clone Wars series um, I thought she was she was really um, really good value um, another thing that I liked about it uh, one thing I can't I can't forget to mention um, Empire Strikes Back uh, there's a scene there where Chewbacca um, he's he's trying to reassemble C three PO. He's yeah. been being pulled apart, and there's this, there's a, a brief shot, a couple of shots where, where he's he's he's, he's putting him back together, and he's holding up C three PO's head very much like Hamlet, doing the Yorick scene. Alas, poor Yorick, I knew you well. it's <laughs> a brilliant brilliant idea, um, yeah. you know, and that's just and just subtly, just done briefly, but it's there, and and I really love that. Speaking of which, probably my favourite thing of all about the Star Wars uh, movies, that one film, Empire Strikes Back, the second one that was made, the fifth one in the series I think is just think a the masterpiece. It's, yeah. just, it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it develops the characters beyond the original Star Wars movie. It's just, it's just more relaxed. And I think part of that comes back to the director that was used to make that film, um, Irvin Kirshner, because um, mm. George Lucas didn't direct that one. Right. The only one he did direct of the first three was the first one. Right. And he handed the reins over to Urban Kirshner for the second one. And I think it just reflects that Kirshner probably handled the actors better, perhaps, or there's something about everyone's more confident. Um, Their storylines are
1: more developed. And we get straight into the thick of things with it. That's interesting and- too, isn't it? Like, I mean, mm. as a follow-up s- sequel to mm. such a massive film yep. globally, yep. that the pressure to get it right, yep, um, which yep. must have been there. But but then perhaps equally picking up on your point is mm. that, um, you know, having ridden such a wave of success, um, that, that 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 it must have imbued um, anyone involved with the film with enormous confidence. I mean, enormous responsibility to get it right but yep. but also the confidence to really hey we're on a winner here let's try and yeah. really push the envelope a bit, you know, and um, yeah, maybe that's yeah, maybe that's what partly what, what's inspired um, you yeah, know such a good uh, follow up follow up sequel. Yeah.
0: yeah, well, it was yeah. just such a surprising thing really to to see a sequel that actually was better than the first that's one. It's
1: pretty rare. I mean, I yeah. think that's a whole other list in itself of it how is. many of those we it can is. count. And yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's pretty much like my,
0: my favorite things about Star Wars. Just just briefly, but and moving on to the, my my least favorite things, I guess. Let's sticking with Empire Strike back just to show that it's not completely perfect Lando Calrissian um, token black character I mean because he had been criticised Lucas had been criticised for not having any black characters really in the first one I like Lando but the thing I don't like about him is his cape (laughs) <laughs> the guy's wearing a bloody cape, and I'm yeah. not the only one. I know Joss Whedon, for example, has criticised that cape as well. He yeah, in in the, yeah, the, the Buffy comic series, um, the, the, and he's right. It's the, it's not the sign of a leader. You know, yeah. this is a guy who's, who's a would-be superhero. Who's not. Yeah. <laughs> There's something wrong about that cape. Yeah. So yeah. I, I have managed to find one thing wrong with um, Empire Strikes Back, and that's it. Um, but there are other things I guess we could talk about because um, it's fun to do so. This should pull, put it yes. apart. Um, the Phantom Menace, obviously the first film in in the second trilogy, it was such a disappointment. Um, there were so so many great expectations for that and um, and it was a bit of a disappointment. Um, it was so led in the storyline. It bogged down in bureaucracy. The actors playing the characters, um Liam Neeson, um even you and McGregor, they they both seem a bit wooden. They and, and I think a, little, a lot of this comes back to George Lucas because he decided to direct those films, and right, he's very good with um, special effects and storyline. But uh, he does, from every, all accounts I've read about him and from actors, that he's not great with act- the actors. The right. actors are just ciphers, or they're just convenient to deliver lines. To deliver and lines, and and, and he's going to put a whole bunch of special effects over them. So don't worry about that. And apparently yeah. he's very uncommunicative as a director. Right. Um, he would just, his main direction would be to get them to, to redo things over and over again. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so very disappointing. And also one of the main bad characters, um, Emperor Palpatine. There's this emperor character
1: because you haven't seen the have No, you? I've not seen. Them oh, before, I
0: you. don't really have time yeah. to go over it all, but but there's this yeah. an emperor uh, who's who, you know who's the leader of the empire at this stage. The empire is still a, a good thing in, mm-hmm. in the first few movies, and um, but it turns out Emperor Palpatine is actually a bad guy. He, on the quiet, he's actually one of the Sith Lord. He's the Sith Lord who's controlling all all the bad guys in the background. Right. So he's this it's got this double thing going on where he's and he's hiding his. Evil persona from all these very intuitive Jedi characters who never, ever, once suspect him as being the bad guy, and it's just it so just ring true. cartoonish and yeah. ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Palpatine. I call him palpitate Usually, he's yeah. palpitating all over the place. Yes, yes. Um, that was another aspect of um, the, the the new series that I did not like at all. It was just too obvious, and also the whole marriage between um, Anakin Skywalker and Padme Amidala. Um, Anakin Skywalker goes on to become Darth Vader, right? Right, um, and he gets mar- he marries Padme, even though as a Jedi he's not supposed to, and it's, the marriage is kept quiet. No one knows about it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Without, uh, how they keep it a secret, I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's another really naff thing that I think is in the series. Uh, didn't enjoy. Yeah, and
1: it's kind of interesting. Was that sort of uh, we talked a little bit about um, you know um, you know Buffy philosophy and undemonism? Is um, is Darth's uh, uh, covert marriage the, the 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 sort of the beginnings of the Great Transgression that leads him? It is. Dark it, is and, it is indeed.
0: It is indeed very well caught there in, yeah. in the final um, um, film, um, "Revenge of the Sith." It's largely through his fears of um, losing uh, Padme that that he turns to the dark side, side. basically. And the, yeah. the Emperor realizes this, and he plays upon it. You know, yeah. I have a way of, of making people live forever. You can you can live forever, and she can live forever if you do what I tell you yeah, to. If and, you come and, to our side. and he yeah. and he yeah. falls to the dark side. Yeah, um, yeah and we could certainly play. On that undemonism thing in there. I'm sure it's yes. there as well. Yes. Um, um, so anyway, a couple other negatives for me. Um, one very obvious one, Ewoks. From the
1: <laughs> <laughs> not cute for you? Nah, no, too
0: cute. Too cute, yes. basically. Yes. From yes. Uh, Re- Return of the Jedi. The Ewoks yeah. I did not like. I did not like them at all. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't work for me, I'm afraid. Um, and finally, uh, the most obvious thing, Jar, Jar Binks. Yeah. Um poor yeah. old Jar Jar that completely unloved. He was supposed to be the comic relief for the Phantom Menace. Um and apparently, well, interesting there's a bunch of interesting stories about him, but apparently there was a big expectation he would be super popular. Right. Um apparently um there were there were, there were warehouses of Jar Jar Bink's toys
1: and dolls that, that they thought were that gonna would be never sold, sold right. and
0: ended up going <laughs> on a junk
1: heap. Yeah, wow. Um,
0: because he just did how, not How did all. they get it so wrong? Um, because he wasn't very likeable, I guess. He, yeah. In fact, interestingly, I think his most likeable element that actually managed to play on with the, the, the Clone Wars series, which, which made him actually finally um, tolerable, um, his, his tendency to um, fumble his way into success. He would fall over things, and all of a sudden, he'd become the hero. Yes, just by yes. In- inadvertently doing this through his own clumsiness, and that—that um, yeah. that was the main. He stick, really. That was it, and that's so, all he had.
1: Yeah, like all, all, almost our um, the Doctor Smith of Star Wars. Yes, kind
0: of. Uh, I, I don't know yeah. if I'd put it that way, but <laughs> but I mean, there were certain racist overtones about him. The way he spoke, he had this sort of patois, this almost sort Jamaican of patois, Misa, yeah. which was always interpreted as being some sort of racial slur, really, against poor minorities or something. Right which didn't help didn't help his case at all Um, the way he spoke um yeah I mean he was meant to be this really revolutionary all digitized character. This is before I think um the Hobbit Lord of the Rings and, and Gollum so you know he was a bit sort of unusual um and it was a good example of um, the technology being used in an interesting way. Yeah. Um but yeah it it felt flat. I think I think actually probably Peter Jackson learnt a few lessons from that right doing before to, yeah, before rings.
1: doing Lord of the Rings what yeah. to do
0: nor, what N- not, not to, to do. do.
1: Yes. So yes.
0: that was Star Wars um for me uh, the best and the worst. There's plenty more you can add. Um, meet me at a pub and we will talk about this all night, <laughs> yeah. um, going over all the best and worst things
1: about Star Wars. Yeah, I can feel an- an- another. Um, not not the Hoovians, but the uh, the Trekkians coming on. Oh right? yeah, yeah. yeah um. Swamp, swamp, swamp. Do that like jumping again. Do that
0: like jumping again. doing that like jumping again.
1: Swamp, do that like jumping again. Swamp, do that like jumping again. Swamp, do that like jumping again. Swamp. i
0: feeling swamped. Okay, and now on to Peter Jackson's um six Hobbit movies. That would be the three Lord of the Rings films he made in in the noughties, and then the Hobbit movies he made in two thousand and tens. um what can be said about them, really?
1: Um, have you seen them? Well, I've definitely seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Russ, and I mean, um, yeah, the Lord of the Rings again loomed really large in my childhood growing up. I mean, I remember yeah, me reading do, that, me do. Yeah. Um, not even reading that, but I guess um, what's, what's the word? You know, um, you know, just gulping that up. Yeah. Um, you know, in um, in a few weeks, I've just yeah. been completely immersed and mesmerized by by the story, yeah. and enthralled by it, and. Um, um, Probably like most of them that um, came to the films, perhaps with a little bit of trepidation about would this this extraordinary mm, tale this yeah. classic tale be done justice how would they bring it to life etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. um and my sense overall is that like wow yeah it was great was success just, just wow. really well done yeah. wasn't it yeah, yeah. i
0: feel the same way i was blown yeah. away by it yeah And um, so in terms of like best and worst yeah it, it, it's weird how it sort of parallels the star wars movies in some ways that the best ones were the first ones and. The Hobbit, I mean, I, I guess the, the problem that, that Jackson had, and he always knew it, um, was that the, the Hobbit is such a different story, different treatment, a, a different audience, a children's book. Yeah. Featuring 13, not two, not five, but 13 different dwarves. Yes. That no doubt created its own challenges right to begin with. Um, whereas Lord of the Rings, it just, it, it, I guess as a story, it, it, it was just a more thought out Idea, obviously, a much lengthier one as well, and and um, Tolkien.
1: And it's just so sort of c- c- cinematic, isn't it? I mean, I mean, yeah. reading the book. I mean, that's I'm sure yeah. what you, you know that, that 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 was the power of Tolkien's mm. writing was yep. that you you had this panorama, this just yeah. um, yeah. you know. The, I mean, um, I remember in the especially as a, a young boy, you know, pouring over the maps and all the finer yep. details, yeah. which yeah. for me was all sort of new terrain that yeah. I hadn't read anything like that. Yeah. And, um, so so it was easy to immerse oneself in that world, yeah. and I think um, you know as I'm sure was probably the case for Jackson growing up, and um, he definitely brought it to life, and he brought it to life, uh, from my point of view, um, very true to the world that I would have imagined um, mm, or that I did mm, imagine. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. Um, with, with The Hobbit, yeah, not having seen them, it's harder for me to judge other than, yeah, it would be a much more difficult... Task.
0: Yeah, and there were other things that were difficult. I mean, there was a different director, Guillermo del Toro, was supposed to direct the the, the films to begin with, and then it changed from being two films to three films. Yeah, um, and I'll note that had all of these posed problems for Jackson because end up he ended up stepping in when Guillermo couldn't do it anymore, and so he took over and. Um, And there's so many different changes. Um, There's so many weird things that happen. Um, If if you get the extended version of the films, you get to see these fabulous documentaries of the making of those movies and you get a lot of the back, the 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 behind-the-scenes actions that are happening. Like, for example, in the first one, The Unexpected um, Journey, apparently when we get to the scenes featuring the goblins, um, apparently Jackson had planned... To have the goblins be shot as uh, in with live action um, characters with with actors with prosthetics on and so forth playing right. actual goblins, right. and at some point um, when they saw, he saw tests, he realised that or decided that that wasn't working, and he went completely to digital for the goblins. Right which is, you know, a huge thing. I mean, yeah, he, he had yeah, a poor old Weta Workshop working overtime, getting these yeah, prosthetic so goblins sorted, and then halfway and you
1: through you pull the plug. In, you know.
0: in the document you can see, um, you know, Richard, um, the head of the Weta Workshop, just, you know, looking a bit frustrated yeah, to say the yeah, least about, yeah, about this yeah, big yeah. change. Um, and that was just one example. But, yeah, there were all kinds of issues that um, that he had, and, and you have to take that on board in, when it comes to watching those films. Um, looking at why the films maybe weren't so successful. And I sort of accept that, I have to say. I mean, I I accept the fact that probably in the end those three films are very much Jackson's version of the novel, The Hobbit, not... Tolkien's version. Um my, yeah. my own feeling is I, I think it should have stayed two films. I think it, it was there was just no point in going to three. Um it just expanding it beyond what it needed to go. Yeah. In an ideal world, that's that's what I would have liked. In fact, I'm such a train spotter geek about this that I've done my own edit version of the uh, the second and third films. I've yes. actually mm. cut them down to
1: one yeah. film. Yep, yeah. One three and a half. And, and are you happy with the results, Russ? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I actually I watched I watched them last yeah. night. Well, yeah. Pete actually suggested in one of his commentaries for the yeah. Lord of the Rings once that, um, that people are be. free to edit, you know, right. whoever they want with, with the editing software we've got, we yeah. can do that, and yes. I, I've done it, you know. Yeah, but, um, I spent a couple of days, a couple of nights doing that and had a lot of fun and, and was very satisfied with the final results, but uh, yeah. that's the way I, I think it should have gone, two films. The is, first is, film, is, is
1: that likely to be an upcoming release on The Swamp?
0: Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do a whole cinema release on it, right? It's going to awesome. go Australia-wide. Yeah.
1: Gonna, awesome,
0: m- yeah. At your local cinema. You, Russell, you
1: heard this first on the Swamp Podcast. The Russell Ford
0: edit yeah. of um, Desolation of Smaug and Battle of the Five Armies as one film. Wow. Think about it. Yeah. Wow. It can be done. And the way to do that is basically get rid of Radagast, the brown, the stupid wizard character played by um, Sylvester McCoy. Yes, yes. <laughs> always like to call him Old Bird Poop Head <laughs> because he's actually because he's kind of um he's a character he's a a one wizard like Gandalf who who um he was actually mentioned in the appendices of um, Lord of the Rings, and Jackson decided to resurrect him for the films, briefly in the the first film, an unexpected journey, but he ended up getting getting bit parts in in the other films as well. And he's kind of a, a nature lover character. He lives in, in this house inside this tree and um, birds and animals come to him and so therefore birds have been sort of sitting in his head and pooping on his head no. and that's why he's an old <laughs> bird pooped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the stupidest things that, that uh, I, th- I think that um, Jackson came up with was that he gave um, Radagast this sleigh drawn by giant rabbits. That's his mode of transport getting around in Middle Earth, giant rabbit sleigh fucking stupid yeah I, like what um in the documentary we uh, well the making of the first one um he comes to this meeting and he's telling all the production people well, this is what we're gonna do we're gonna have a sleigh with the rabbits and it's gonna be great and he's all enthusiastic but you can see the look on the people's faces what the oh, hell how are you um, talking about yeah Yep. I'm amazed no one actually shouted him down about it, but I guess he had so much clout, and no one would dare to speak against it. But it's such a stupid idea, and it was really badly betrayed in the films too. Yeah. Um. The clearly the animators just couldn't come to grips with it, and it doesn't really work at all when you see it in the film. It's just a stupid idea. So um, a giant and rabbit's drawn sleigh. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so in my my edit, I cut out everything to do with um with. Sylvester and Radagast because he's one of the worst things about it. I'm sorry, Sylvester, uh, but that's the way it goes. Old poop head. Old old (laughs) bird poop head. Um, And those fucking rabbits and the fucking sleigh. Um, Other thing that really annoys me, and I guess it's the only thing I've to say, against the Lord of the Rings films. Um There's one stupid bit of dialogue, um, the classic thing, where the orc says, Meat's back on the menu, boys. Do you remember yes, that? Yes,
1: I do remember that.
0: Um, which, which I sort of remember seeing it in passing and never thinking much about it, but there was so much going on about it on the internet and people talking about it and bringing it to my attention. I mean, the idea that orcs or goblins might have a menu at a restaurant that's the thing that it conjures up I mean why would a a goblin or an orc use the term menu like like it's been to a nice fancy French restaurant or something it's such a stupid
1: well, I'm assuming like no, a throwaway line, line that was, it is the throwaway line, yeah. and you have to accept it as yeah such, that, but, that um, was deemed to be maybe like funny or, or would place yeah. it... In, we were talked earlier about placing it in a um in a zeitgeist in a, in a, in a, in a, in a sort of a, a modern setting, but you just feel it actually um it was just out of place it was yeah it
0: is it is there are, are examples of other bits of dialogue in both the series where where they're using modern terms that they probably shouldn't, but um yeah. Um, But, you know, I mean, it's hit and miss because there's some other modern things. Like, I love the idea of the the dwarf toss that's in Lord of the Rings where where Jim Lee gets tossed by Legolas. (laughs) No, it wasn't Legolas. It was... um, Mm. Um Aragorn does it, you know, and he's like, "Don't you ever tell the elf yes. <laughs> that he was tossed?" tossed. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, that's a modern idea that that they've applied onto the films that I think worked really well. Yeah, also and pay homage to sort of this. the
1: whole Scottish, you know, Highland games yes, kind of um, yeah. feel. You know? yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, overall, you know, I guess my main complaints are about the Hobbit movies not so much Lord of the Rings um, but as far as the best things I mean there's so many things you can say about uh, about all of those I mean I, I love them I, I complain a lot about the Hobbit movies the extended versions on DVD um largely unnecessary scenes for the most part Though in the first film there's, there's some things that were cut out that, that were left out of the theatrical um, film that, I, that were fantastic I would have loved to have seen in particular there's um, to do with the Goblin King um, that's played by Barry Humphreys um, he actually has a song that he sings in, in that you see in the extended versions Down 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 in Goblin Town which is awesome. He does this little dance as well. And why they didn't keep it, in I do not know. But um, And it had me thinking um, was that actually in the book? Don't, it, it, because the book is full of little songs that Tolkien wrote. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turns out it actually was, or parts of it was. Um, I actually got out my old copy of um, The Hobbit and, and checked it, and, and I found it. And here it is. Here are the lines. Um, and apparently they're not said, sung by the, the, the goblin king. They're sung by the, some of his goblin minions as they. They drag the the poor old jaw along to meet the goblin king, and the the lines go like this: clack, snap, the black crack, grip, grab, pinch, nab, and down, down to Goblin Town you go, my lad. Um, and those lines are used in the song. They actually, yeah. the song is down, down, down in Goblin Town, right. And I thought that was really kind of interesting.
1: But so when, when would the song have been um, um, written? The the, um, the no, no, yeah, not Tolkien's. Um,
0: no, well they they would have. I think um, in fact Barry Humphries um, came up with the words. Right. The sing for his character, the Goblin King. I, I believe right. he came up with it.
1: And you think it drew inspiration from that song?
0: Oh, they must have. They yeah. must have. I mean, yeah. it's in there, down down Goblin yep, town. town. It's in the book. Yep. So yep. he obviously adapted it. Yeah. Which was a nice nice idea and a fabulous song. Let's have a listen to it.
1: <laughs> I feel a song. Coming on! Clip, snap,
0: the black crack. Grip, grab, pinch and nab, batter and beat, (laughs) make them stammer and (laughs) squeal. Pound, pound, fur underground.
1: Down, down, down.
0: Everybody a crack oh. Everybody's talk spinning on my rack Down, down far underground. Down, down, down to Goblin Town oh. Hammer and torch get at your notches and guns You won't last long on the end of my prong Clash Crash crush and smash Bang, break Shiver and shake You can yell and yelp But there ain't
1: for the grade down 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 In got boy yeah catchy isn't it it's one of my own Composition,
0: And so that was the lovely, lovely um, Goblin King as played by Barry Humphreys doing Down, Down, Down in Goblin Town, a special release from An Unexpected Journey, um, the first of the Hobbit movies. I hope you enjoyed that. I did. <laughs> um, and that was from a, um, a, an unreleased part of the film, at least for the theatrical. There's lots actually extra bits that, you when know, I think about it, that actually... Well, fantastic in the in the third film um the battle of five armies and this was a kind of a legendary thing on the internet um there was talk about this big chariot um ride section in the in the film during the, the big battle that that was going to be in the film but it ended up not and um the idea is um some of the dwarves at one point have to they get in this this um dwarf's chariot and and they they ride it, Towards this mountain, where the bad orc, the white orc, the albino orc is, is there, and they want to, do they want to vanquish him, and so they did. And it's just this whole bit of business where this this bloody chariot that that all, most of the dwarf characters are riding in, making its way to to this other point, and it's. And it's basically getting um, hunted down and um, attacked by all these orcs on the way, which sounds like a pretty boring thing, but actually there's all these amazing bits of business in there that, um, that Peter Jackson put in there that make for some really eye-popping sort of visuals and action. Um and apparently Jackson was wanted to put it in in the theatrical, but he kept cutting it down and cutting it down because he just realised he didn't have time. And in the end, he decided, well, I'm just going to leave the whole thing out. What you get actually in the film is um, um, you see the some of the dwarf characters, Dwale and um, and Balin and so forth, um, writing these. Um, large goats basically um, yes. and going up this this mountain up towards where, where the, the orc is and that's all you see. But it seems very really quick, quick, all of a sudden it just happens. And the, because because the, so much
1: of this has been deleted. It was cut out, and, yes. Um, that's yeah. right. Yeah.
0: Um, so anyway, he decided to cut that out because, you know, he was just cutting it down to nothing so he decided to save it and leave it for, for um, the, the uh, theatrical, which also gave his effects team much more time to actually complete it and get it right. Right. And so um, there is that there. The chariot ride is fantastic in in the extended version of the Battle of Five Armies. Um, oh, rule highlight. Um, just so much blood and gore, and and just just good fun basically. Yeah. Um, and I really loved the eagles. You know the eagles when they show up in in the yeah in Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, the, there are these eagles. Um, I really whenever they show up, I think it's yeah, it's a the, magical moment in the. Yeah. yeah, when they come and rescue yeah. Bilbo, um, Frodo, and, and yeah. Sam, yeah. whenever they, those scenes happen, something magical happens in the films. I think maybe it's the music they use, but um, yeah, and interestingly and funnily enough, um, I mean it's often been observed that um, in terms of the storyline of Lord of the Rings, that the quest to get the ring to Mount Doom, um, why didn't they just? Give the ring to one of the eagles and <laughs> yeah. have eagle courier post and send it off to Mount Doom yeah, and drop yeah. it in, and that was something that apparently Tolkien was asked a number of times yeah. when, when he when the when he, the books were were released um, or published, and his response was usually that um, he just refused to you know have his eagles be some sort of taxi courier service you know, he, <laughs> you know that that in order to get the ring to Mount Doom his his thing was well. Some blood and sweat had to be you know expended to get there had well, to well, yeah, i
1: mean I guess drawing on our theme you know. for um you know, particularly Tolkien as a writer and I mm. mean um, you know given as most we' aware you know, he's obviously writing at the um you know writing this at the at, at the height of the second world war and 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 so forth and um and this global battle of you know good and evil of fascism and all the other rhythms mm-hmm. and so forth that are the book is imbued with so so all of that backdrops there, but more important in terms of the theme that we've been covering today is what would happen to the euda the euda uh euda, the um, euda e- in the book that surely the struggle is um you know we are whether for frodo whether for um and Gollum. you know what are they but um the these characters struggling with their inner demons mm. around mm. being possessed by a ring um mm. uh, being per- being possessed basically by their dark side mm-hmm. and they are mm-hmm. constant in a battle to do the right thing or to give in to greed and yep. um, that yeah. so so the the, the rings themselves um, the the, the, the uh, can only come to life and have the power that they do if they're able to possess mm-hmm. our darker side mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. you know um, I, it's interesting whether he chose not to or why Tolkien never responded in that way and whether it, it, it was a serious or just a pat answer about the mm, eagles mm, mm. and not wanting them to be used as a courier service. Yep. But I wonder whether that was also just short code that, um, well, you're kind of missing the point. I yeah. mean, the point is that it, for the ring to be destroyed, it's got to be a conscious decision that, um, you know, that um, Frodo in the end is prepared to give up the power of the ring in return to not only, I guess, save his own soul, but save humanity, Mm. um, save the things that matter of friendship and trust and... So forth. And, and there's so also
0: forth. that little yeah. thing that if you give the ring to the eagles, you've got no story.
1: You've got no story, you know. You know. Um, so uh, it's
0: a writer's device. It's, yeah. it's a, in some ways, yeah. it's, a, it's a MacGuffin yeah. in, in many ways. Yes. So the ring is a MacGuffin as well. Yeah. It's all kinds of things. But it's yeah. also a MacGuffin. That's right. Um, very insightful there. I like your comments. I yeah. like your comments. And I also like other things about the, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films and the Hobbit films. Uh, I really like Smaug. You you can't get that that um, dragon. He's yeah. spectacular um, yeah. in in the Desolation of Smorgan at the start of um, Battle of Five Armies. What a, what an amazing cinematic dragon, as voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, it's beautiful. What an amazing. Yeah. I mean, the whole vocal. scene
1: of when he takes off is just yeah. um, wow. Well, every,
0: yeah, everything everything yeah, about yeah, him. The way yeah. he dies. You know, just yeah. this shuddering, this yeah. earth shattering scream as it flies up and then down Um, again. Um, uh, Wonderful. I mean, another thing that that I really loved about to do with the dragon is the dragon's hoard and all the gold. Again, if you go back to the the documentaries about the making of these films, you really learn some interesting things. Just the the physics of digitising gold coins and how they move has gone into because they they did quite a lot of um, work on um, portraying it as realistically as possible Possible in the scene where... Um, Bilbo comes into the, the cabin and, and, and tries to find um, the, um, the the big jewel that he's got to find in there, um, yes. and he wakes up the dragon. There's lots and lots of um, movement of gold, coins everywhere, and, and the way they move is, has to have this sort of weight. Yeah. And they did a lot of research on that just, just to get it to work right because for a lot of the time in the early days, apparently they couldn't get it right. It just wasn't moving the way... It didn't feel right, and so they had to do all these kind of interesting experiments...
1: To to find the right... To get it to work. So
0: just the the gold there is just amazing. I just love the way that's portrayed in the film, Um, just in terms of the special effects and CGI. Yeah. Really nicely done. Yeah. Um, And and underappreciated, I think. Yeah. Um, So, yes, Um, and I also loved... uh, Going back again to the Hobbit movies, and um, especially the last one, um, the Battle of Five Armies, um, the, the 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 um Elf King Thranduil, interesting character, um but he also has a very really interesting steed, he has this um kind of a giant um, elk with these huge, huge antlers, antlers that yeah. just sort of stick out, and you imagine if it turns its head, it's going to knock, <laughs> knock a couple of people over the balcony, yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's just over the top. Uh, I love Thranduil's um, ride there, basically. Yeah, I just love yeah. that, and it's used in. You know, it was a great gag um, during the battle where you've got this big elk with these antl- antlers that had sort of these grooves in them, and it's he's running with with these moose across these um, elk across this bridge. Back towards the town of Dale and, and there are these orcs in front of him and the, the, the elk sort of scoops the, the orcs up their heads onto its um, antlers right. and <laughs> Thrandall with his sword just cuts all the heads
1: off <laughs> in one go in one go it's, 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 it's teamwork a
0: brilliant <laughs> brilliant gag yeah. I, I love that <laughs> it's, yeah uh, fantastic yeah. Um, another character I really like and this is kind of a bit con- controversial um, if you're in the pub and you're discussing this one uh, about the, the Hobbit movies um, she's a bit of a contentious point um, the character Tariel who is actually the female elf character Ah right, and she's she's not in the the book. Obviously, right. the book is the, it's very boys' own. There, there, I don't think there are any female characters purpose. really,
1: yeah.
0: any major ones. Boy, hardly minor ones really. Yes, yes. Um, and so she's an invented character that that Jackson and and his team, Philippa Boyens and, and Fran, Walsh came up with mainly to offset you know the, the male centricness of the Hobbit movies. Yeah. So she's. And um, yeah, you know, so there's been some controversy about that. Some discussion that you know, well, you know, she wasn't in the books, or in the book rather. Um, but I think she's really good. I think she was a necessary um, requirement to, to the films. You, you know, you had to have a, a one female character at least, surely, yeah, just to yeah, balance yeah, it off. Yeah. You've got to have yeah. you know some female characters in there. Um, yeah, of it was just, and that was a good decision, I think, to, yeah. to do that. And she yeah. was really well played. the actress Evangeline Lilly. Um, played her quite nicely. Um, yeah, did she job. didn't really have much to do, really, besides killing orcs, though. They, they, they tried to um, conjure up well, this... That'll, that'll
1: keep you busy, um, yeah, killing yeah, we'll orcs, keep, You're right, it? you're not yeah, wrong. Yeah. And she
0: does quite well, by the yeah, way. But yeah. they conjured up this um, potential romance between her and one of the dwarf characters, um, Kili. Yeah. One of the youngest ones, the more handsome dwarf character, yeah. and it's slightly taller, but but being a dwarf, he's still about w- at least a thirty centimeters shorter than yeah. than um, Proatorial. So you've got this strange sort of um, taller woman, shorter yeah. man type thing going on, yeah. and it's played played out pretty well, but. Um, um, i'm a bit hot and cold about that one i 'm not really sure whether it worked I, I i sort of squirm a bit when when I see it sometimes um and that, that never ended up getting um um consummated anyway because of poor Kelly was always fated to die yes um but it 's a nice sort of comment on you know on the strength of love, and i guess you 're going to have that if you 've got a female character in some ways it 's a little bit overly cliched by doing that we 've got a female character we 've got to give her a love interest you know it 's a little bit um sexist just, perhaps in a yep, way you know yep, um, yep. They, why didn't have you know they have they brought legalists back I mean maybe they could have had a, give him have a relationship with a male character or something no else. I think
1: your point's totally valid I mean it, it just goes really to the heart of the matter um, of the earlier point that you were making about mm-hmm um having female characters at all and when we do have them you know yep. what's the role that they play and how are they played out and yep. um um and and uh, yes invariably they they're played out as somebody's love interest yeah. you know um but you know which are, yeah, yeah yeah ostensibly i guess women as yeah pretty much sort of cut out caricatures Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know um, either as you know heroine or otherwise completely yeah. Irrelevant. Yeah, you know, um, they're,
0: they're all their Madonna's or whores, yeah. or you know something yeah. Like, yeah. All those yeah. lines, are they? A,
1: yeah, that team's all all through there. But
0: you know. yeah, so in in summation, I would say the best thing about for me the the Peter Jackson um Hobbit movies. I, I mean, it's just too much. I just narrowed it down to the first three films, the, the Lord of the Rings films. Those first three, especially the first one, Fellowship of the Rings. Yeah, Um, because it was the first one. It told us. He's going to do it right. We could see that, uh, and it was going to be brilliant. It was going to be fantastic. Yeah, it was more to look absolutely. forward to. Mm. Funnily enough, I remember when I—I'm sure other people had the same experience. You, I went into the cinema. I watched the film. The film ended. The story hadn't finished. The, the hobbits are on their way to Mordor, but they weren't, weren't anywhere near there. You hear someone up the back going. What, that's it? Then I'll finish (laughs) up. Someone didn't know that this was going to be part of a three-part story. Yeah. You know, funny. Um, But, yeah, I I just adore those three films. Um, And I guess in some ways they're brought up into a higher relief now because of the Hobbit movies, because the the, the Hobbit movies, for whatever reasons, fall a bit shorter of that that expectation, I feel. Yeah. I think a lot of people agree. But still good. Absolutely. You know, an amazing... And I love the extended... I could, you know, watch that world over over and over over again. again. Same with the Star Wars stuff, I suppose. So, I mean, for all the criticism I make or we make about them, you know, they're both fabulous... um, um, contributions to pop culture absolutely. and the absolutely. mythology. You yeah, know, absolutely. Say, both of them. Yeah,
1: I think oh. that um, you know. So, 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 might, yeah. Possibly. Um, you, you know, it, might, it must be getting time to Harry Potter for our next one, perhaps. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> not, yeah. likely, not, not likely. Not likely. Nah. Yeah. Nah.
1: Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Great. So, welcome to Here's another.
0: <laughs> <laughs> another. Yeah. Swamped. Well, I'm going to do an outro while Rui's um, perusing this uh, issue of The Word magazine because he just can't be bothered. It's fascinating. It is pretty fascinating, yes. <clears throat> the Word, man, the Word. I'm here to give you the Word. It's the Word. <laughs> it's the Word. You, you know it's the Word. And the Word is farewell for another week from uh, the Swamp Guys. Right. Hey, guys, thanks, thanks for listening.
1: Look forward to catching you next week. Yeah, ciao.